Hello, everyone, and welcome to Expedition 105. I'm Janine Stanley, your IRA Explorer Community Manager, and I am joined tonight by, let's see, what is he going to be tonight? We're working, so he might have to be the boss, uh, Ryan Bishop. Right, Hello, Ryan. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm super glad to be here to talk about IRA in the workplace, one of my most favorite topics to discuss, um, and I look forward to helping you guys with Ira at work. So. Awesome. And our agent representative with us is Emma Vincent. Hello, Emma. Hello. And we have our tour guides tonight, Hope Palos. Hello. Hope and Tiffany Manash. Good evening, everybody. And we have special guest lecturers tonight on the expedition. This is like one of those Victorian, you know, um, expedition sessions where you have your guest lecturers. And tonight we have Paul Schrader from Ira. Hello, Paul. I'm all packed up with my rucksack and ready to go. All right, sweet. And we have Stacy Cervenka. Hello, Stacy. And Stacy may be temporarily muted. However, um, we're going to talk tonight about Ira in the workplace. And okay. ah, there's Stacy. There okay. we go. All right. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no worries. No worries. So, as I said, we're going to talk about Ira in the workplace tonight. And this is an issue, obviously, near and dear to my heart because before I came to work at Ira, I actually did have Ira as a workplace accommodation. I used it primarily for travel, but there are many, many ways to use Ira. And one of the first things we're going to talk about with Stacy is you getting Ira before you even get a job, talking to your vocational rehabilitation counselor here in the U.S about how to get IRA as an accommodation, as something in your plan for getting that job. And we are also now joined by Stacy Gallegos, who is another one of our intrepid uh, uh, tour guides. Hello, Stacy. So we have Stacy and Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, though, um, Stacy C., um, can you tell us a little bit about your yourself and your background and where you are right now um, in terms of uh, your professional accomplishments, because you've got quite a number of them. Sure. Well, I have been involved in uh, disability advocacy and blindness advocacy for about 20 years as a member of the National Federation of the Blind. I've served as the chair of NFB's Blind Parents Group. Um, I have also um, I worked in the office of a United States Senator for five years where I handled a number of issues, including uh, disability rights, transportation, um, vocational rehabilitation, labor issues. I then worked for the California Department of Rehabilitation where I was a government program analyst and I kind of served as a conduit between the department and the Blind Advisory Committee, Deaf and Hard of Hearing Advisory Committee and, and some others. Um, and then I worked as the... Um, Executive Officer of the California State Rehabilitation Council. Um, most recently, I worked as the Director of Public Policy for the American Foundation for the Blind. And currently, I live with my family in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I am the Public Policy and Planning Consultant at the Nebraska Commission for the Blind and Visually Impaired, um, among other things right now. So um, so I've, I've worked a lot on... Um, particularly on issues that affect vocational rehabilitation, labor, um, transportation, and parenting with a disability are kind of the main topics I've worked on. That covers just about everything we've covered, I think, so far on, on, <laughs> uh, on IRA, actually, and our expeditions. So now let's say, Stacy, that I am someone who is starting out with vocational rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. I have lost my sight. I... I let's say, have gone through all my basic rehabilitation, and now it's time to get a job. I really want Ira to, as, as a part of my job search, and Paul will tell us a little bit about why here in a minute, but how, how can I get Ira as an accommodation? How can I even start that conversation with a rehabilitation counselor? Sure. Well, um, as you know, 
vocational rehabilitation, the whole goal of VR is to help people with disabilities get jobs, to enter the workforce, to remain in the workforce, and to advance within the workforce. And so you're when you sign up for VR, you're essentially telling them, I am committed to going to work. And one thing that's really important is I think a lot of people, when they sign up for VR services, they kind of have this idea of, well, well let's just see like what I can get, how they'll help me. You really need to take charge of your VR plan, um, which is called an IPE, an Individualized Plan for Employment. You need to be your best advocate. Your counselor likely has, you know, possibly 100, 120 people on their caseload. You have yourself. So you need to be extremely active in making sure that you get what you need. If that means you have to call your counselor every day and send an email, you know, and show up at their office, then that's what you got to do. So often I hear from so many people that, oh, you know, I tried getting this, but my counselor never called me back or I mentioned it. And my counselor never brought it up again. You need to take the reins and make it happen for you. If you feel you need IRA, then you need to make it your goal to get IRA. Um, as you know, that you, ha you have an individualized plan for employment. And in that plan, you'll put your employment goal, and then you'll put all the services and tools and technology that you need in order to reach that goal. And so if you're, um, you feel that in order to um, get the training that you need in order to do your job, whether that's college, vocational and technical school, um, certain certifications, certain types of training, or you're going to need IRA on the job, you need to ask for that to be a part of your individualized plan for employment. Now, some um, obstacles you may run into is some VR counselors may not be familiar with IRA and understand what it really does. Um, it, they might think of it as this new, falutin, newfangled um, piece of technology that they heard about once at a conference, but they really don't understand how people use it in their day-to-day -day lives at work. Um, and there's also sort of this idea, I think, that some new technology is a luxury, that, okay, you want IRA. Um, you know, why can't I just get you a magnifier or, you know, like, why can't I just, you know, th there's not really this understanding of that IRA is now an important tool that blind people need in their tool belt in order to, you know, get and remain employed. Um, so you need to know that that's, that's um, kind of often where they're coming from. The other obstacle you may run into is that often state rehabilitation agencies have certain types of devices that they can buy, certain services that they can purchase. Sometimes it's called a price schedule. Sometimes it's called, I mean, it's got different names, but you need, if IRA is not on their price schedule, they may not know what it is. So the first thing you need to do is to convince them that you need it. You need to be able to justify why you need IRA. Um, specifically, you can't just say, I need IRA in order to get a job. You need to say, you know, I need IRA because I need to get a job or, you know, I need to work in a science lab in college and I really need IRA in order to navigate the lab and, um, you know, give me feedback on test tubes or whatever. Um, so you need to give them very specific reasons why you need IRA. You need to be able to say, you know, I work in an office setting and I'm asked to travel a lot. When I travel in unfamiliar places, I really need IRA there in case I get turned around or in case there's no other pedestrians around and I need assistance like locating a building or traveling through an airport. So you need to, first of all, I mean, you need to be really specific for what you want it for. Second of all, if your counselor says that, no, I'm sorry, we can't do this. The next thing you need to do is put it in writing. You need to put your justification in an email so that it's written in email form. If you can CC their supervisor. Um, if you know who their supervisor is, so that it's in written form and ask for a written response. Um, that way, it, there's no he said, she said, oh, well, I didn't understand what it was or why she wanted it. Like, have it there in writing. If there's still a no, what I often tell people is you want to have a great relationship with your rehab counselor. I'm actually, I'm my training is I, I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor. You want to have a great re relationship with your rehab counselor. However, it is much more important that you get what you need than that your counselor thinks you're a nice person or that your counselor thinks you're a pleasant person. So while you always need to be, you know, professional, if you need to, if you need to continue fighting for what you need to continue fighting for, this is your life. This is your career. Um, you need to go ahead and do that. So if you are told no after you put it in writing, I would say, okay, I need to have a meeting with my counselor supervisor. Ask to have a meeting with the supervisor. Um, at this meeting, 
you may consider bringing an advocate, um, you, whether that's from a consumer organization such as, such as NFB or ACB. There's also a great program that a lot of people don't utilize called CAP, the Consumer Assistance Program or the Client Assistance Program. Every state has a client assistance program. So if you Google your state, Montana, vocational rehabilitation, client assistance program, it will show up for you. And they provide free advocacy. So you can ask for a CAP advocate to come to your next meeting with your counselor or with your counselor supervisor. I really feel that CAP uh, is often an underutilized service. Um, so calling CAP and finding out like, hey, can I get someone to come with me to this next meeting? Um, if you feel that you, you're you know, comfortable going to the meeting with your counselor supervisor on your own, that's great. Um, that's probably what I would do. Um, if you continue to um, be told no, again, then I would definitely utilize CAP. I would definitely take it to CAP. And at this point though, you really need to be able to show that this is what you need, what you need it for, and why something else won't work. Or at least something else, why this is the most efficient option. Um, because often too, people don't understand um, how technology works. Like they'll think that you can use a handheld magnifier to read a hundred pages where, you know, that's really difficult for most people. Like, yes, they might be able to use a handheld magnifier for something, but not to read something very long. So similarly, they, they may think, oh, well, she doesn't need Ira because she has JAWS or something. So what you need to show them is that even though you have technology that does other things, you still have a need for Ira. So I think the, the number one thing is you really have to go into it with the mindset of this is your plan. This is your career. This is your shot. If you need Ira, you need to make that happen for yourself. You need to, you know, ask your counselor, put it in writing, take it to their supervisor, take it to CAP. If Ira is not on the price schedule, that is something that most agencies can do. It may not be on the price schedule now, but generally it's something that they can work with Ira to do. And I'm sure that Ira would probably be more than happy to get themselves onto your state VR agency's price schedule. Um, Absolutely. And so, Ryan, being our, our account manager, can talk a little bit about that here in a bit. But yeah, that is absolutely something that we can do and have done with a couple of states already. And so if you, I mean, if that's the thing that, oh, you know, they're not on our list of vendorized providers, um, then I'm sure Ira can, will be happily fill out the necessary forms and do what they need to get vendorized. Um, the other thing that I would suggest possibly doing, um, in some states, there are very active state rehabilitation councils and there are active, I know in Florida or in uh, California, we had a very active blind advisory committee. Um, and approaching those committees and saying, you know, coming as a member of the public and saying, I really need IRA. Here is why I need it. I'm having a difficult time getting it. Someone on the committee may take up your, you know, may um, say, oh, wow, this is a really, um, you know, difficult situation. We need to take this up. Um, so that, that's certainly another thing you could do. Another thing a lot of people don't realize is that the, you can actually write your own individualized plan for employment, IPE. Um, you're, you can write your own IPE and bring it into your counselor. So if you are currently in the process of writing or updating your IPE, write your own and include IRA. Um, a lot of it comes, I think, um, often as people with disabilities, we're, we're often told that our, whether it's outright or by implied, that our needs are burdensome or that we're asking for too much. And what I often tell people is if you need something and you need it to get your job done and to remain employed, it's not too much. Um, so don't, you know, you are your number one priority. Great, um, great advice. Now, Stacy, let's say, because I'm sure there are a number of folks out there in our audience who are vocational rehabilitation counselors, maybe uh, VRTs, anyone in that position. Um, what if you are advocating for a client who may want or need a job or, or you're talking to an employer and IRA is one of the things that you would like that employer to investigate? What, um, what are some strategies to, to deal with that? Because, gee, you know, we could just hire you a reader. We'll have a coworker do that for you. <laughs> There's a volunteer organization that does that, right? You know, um, what are some strategies to kind of combat that with the employers? Well, I think, again, it's all about justifying and saying, okay, do you really want to pay a reader 
you know, 20 hours a week or, you know, with benefits or whatever that comes with um, when I may not need them all the time. I mean, often I, I know for me, when I worked in offices, sometimes you do need a reader intermittently and they'll hire someone, you know, again, like 20 hours a week and half the time they're not really doing anything for you because you may not have something for them to do. So using IRA is a lot more efficient because you can use it when you need it and you're not obligated to try to find work for the agents to do. Um, you're not, I, I know for me, I've often had readers like, okay, I have her for four hours today. What can I have her do? And sometimes that's, you know, that's a waste of their time. It's a waste of your time. So with IRA, it's really, you can use it as you need it or not. Um, so I think that's a huge thing. I think it's also, if you have a lot of travel in your job, it's a way of saying, look, with IRA, I can do this independently. You don't need to pay um, for a reader or driver or, you know, I can, um, you know, navigate this mu much more easily. So I think really being very specific, you guys, I apologize. We just had a grocery delivery. So I'm sorry if it sounds a little loud on my end. Um, no worries. Um, so I think, first of all, it's being very specific. And then it's also really being willing to answer their questions about why other things simply won't work. Because I think a reader is the number one thing that often gets kind of bandied about. It's like, well, you know, do you want to pay someone 40 hours a week to maybe do 10 hours a week of work for me? You know, and like it's inconvenient to me. It's inconvenient to them. Um, so, so I think a lot of it is... Um, you know, working with your HR. I know that someone's going to talk about this, about confidentiality issues. That's, I, I, it's not my wheelhouse. I don't know as much about how to, to handle that, um, issues of confidentiality and security. But as far as just um, letting your employer know why you need this, specifically why you need it and why other things won't work and being willing to go through all the other techniques with them and explain in a light professional way why that might sound like a good idea, but actually doesn't work. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing, too, that I thought about, and this is kind of, um, I was talking to a friend last night about this. One thing Ira may want to consider at some point is offering like a three-year plan so that VR agencies can purchase it for clients, kind of like, you know, they purchase a Braille display, they purchase a, a JAWS, and they know that that's going to last someone several years, where if a, a VR counselor could... Um, you know, often it's it's difficult to continue getting VR to pay for services. VR agencies can provide job retention services, but many of them don't or, or won't. Um, and so instead of people having worrying about, okay, I have to call my VR agency every year and try to open a new job retention case, if it was something where they could buy something kind of in the vein that they do with like a large Braille display, okay, we bought this one thing, it'll last them three to five years or something. So that that's, you know, I mean, I think um, employers and IRA really being able to talk with one another and maybe have it about um, how do we get to yes? Like, how do we get it so that, did my son just come in the background and like make a face? <laughs> he probably did. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Stacy's son. Was he wearing clothes? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the joys. Oh, the joys. That's all right. I, I have a cat who Zoom bombs, so I'm, uh, yes, <laughs> I'm empathetic, definitely. Well, this is excellent information, Stacy. Now, if anyone happens to have any questions out there on YouTube, you can uh, put them in the comments. You can also put them in the chat. We're not going to take them um, directly at this point in time, but we will be able to get them to Stacy because she's got a bit of a hard stop here to get to another meeting. You but, have a um, few Q&As, so I will oh, write great. these up for you and okay. get those out to Janine to get to you. Super. And we will get those to you, Stacy. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here tonight and uh, for really getting us started kind of on the right foot of being your, your own best advocate. Well, thank you so much for all you guys are doing. And I love Ira. Used it many times. Got me out of a lot of jams. So. <laughs> Yay. Outstanding. Thank you so much. And, and enjoy those groceries. <laughs> Oh, we will. Okay. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm going to switch over here a little bit to uh, Ryan, who, you know, you're our financial guy. You are the uh, Explorer account manager. So have you done yearly subscriptions to IRA? Is that something that is possible? Is it doable? What can... So I'm going to preface this by answering a question <laughs> from Chris Cook. Um, so Chris Cook asks, and I'll read this out loud. I, I, I 
uh, because I did tell you I'd, I'd answer it live. Um, uh, a rule, my agency does not pay for subscriptions for clients because things are paid for by an agency credit card. How are subscriptions handled when working with VR agencies? So Chris and everybody else, um, with when it comes to businesses and when it comes to VR agencies, we are able to work with them to do annualized subscription plans. So how this works um, is the employer or the agency would contact IRA um, and we would set them up an invoice uh, for the subscription in question that they would like to purchase for you. Um, we are able to provide them any paperwork they do ask for and we are able to buy those uh, and uh, get those set up for you. Um, we are uh, for work. We are able to do this on an individual basis or we can set this up as an access plan for your work as well. So we do have multiple ways of being able to get um, companies who maybe aren't able to pay per month. Um, believe me, we have a lot of companies who do not do it per month. We have a lot of companies who only use company credit cards. We have some who don't use credit cards. Um, so we can definitely work with your company to um, figure out the payment. Um, and ultimately, uh, at the end of the day, uh, all you have to do is contact us and open that discussion and we will find a way that works for your company to be able to get you the access that you need uh, to IRA. Great. And we are also going to talk a bit, Ryan, about how this works in other countries and particularly because this is what we have the expertise on tonight, Australia. So you are the man to talk about the National Disability Insurance Scheme, NDIS, in Australia. Absolutely. Correct. So each process kind of works the same way. Um, now, uh, there are various ways to work with the uh, National Disability Insurance Scheme. Um, I will not name all of them here uh, for the fact that it does get complex, but the two main ways that we have seen it is either by you paying IRA and getting reimbursed by the National Disability Insurance Scheme, but the one that we are able to help with ultimately is getting them an invoice uh, in Australian dollars for you to get your plan paid for uh, or for your company to get your plan paid for uh, through IRA. So uh, kind of along the same premises as the United States, uh, you would contact us or have your company contact us preferably um, they would have all of their information, uh, and so we would uh, want to speak with them so that way we can get it done quicker and don't have to go through so many uh, jumps. But whatever works, works, um, and we are flexible. Um, so we will work with you to get not only the service uh, for that annualized service or for however long your company wishes to uh, get your plan for, and get you all set up and make sure that you have the access that you need to be able to use IRS. So no matter whether you're in the United States, no matter whether you're in uh, Australia, um, it, you know what, I'll just preface this by saying, no matter where you're using service and all the countries we are launched, um, we can work with you to make sure that you can get the instant access to information that you need. In your local currency. Correct. Which yeah. is fantastic. So we're going to move now to Paul, who has his rucksack on. So we'll, we'll you know, have him pull up his uh, lecture chair here. And uh, <laughs> um, so, Paul, we have a great feature for job seekers, right? The IRA Job Seekers Plan. So let's talk about this plan a little bit. We sure do, Janine, and thanks for mentioning that. And uh, I also want to loop back a little bit to some of the rehabilitation discussion as well. But let me start with Job Seekers. We launched this program a year and a half, two, two and a half years ago. It was in February. And the idea was to provide minutes for IRA users, IRA explorers, not charged against their account who were using... IRA to seek employment. That might mean navigating a website to look at jobs. That might mean going through an application uh, online or otherwise and filling in the information, particularly where inaccessibility was an issue. 
might mean checking out printed material, including your own resume or the application that you filled out to make sure that it visually looks the way you want it to or the way you think it should. Um, that's a really important task. And when we would ask people on the Job Seeker program, how did they use IRA? So frequently it came back that people said it, it saved me hours of time fiddling with my resume, trying to get things to visually work. Because I think those of us who screen read and even people who are using low vision techniques sometimes find that it is simply faster when you can see visual alignment, bolds, and other things that ex extraneously get into the middle of a document. Um, and you can uh, see those in a, in a, in a larger, uh, larger view that comes not from a screen reader or a magnification device. There's lots of good ways. Pe I'm not saying people can't format excellent, wonderful docs without uh, the assistance of someone who can see. I'm just saying that for some of us, and I will be one of them, it does speed things considerably. So a lot of people used IRA in that, in that way. A lot of people used IRA for tests uh, that might be on an employment website uh, that they had to get through. In fact, one of the seekers contacted us recently to say, I had a horrible time with the, with, uh, with the not the agent, but with the test that the employer was using. It turns out that the test was screwed up and they hired me uh, because I had done better than it appeared uh, because the test was the problem. Anyway, um, that was a great outcome, somebody who reported back to us that they found the job. Well, Job Seeker is still here. It is now available as a, uh, an access offer uh, for anyone who needs it. And um, as with other access offers, uh, you can make use of that for a 30-minute period to I believe that's the period to work on anything related right, yes. to finding a job um, and so that might mean navigating websites it might mean looking at applications it might mean checking your clothing uh, if that's something that's important to you or it might mean navigating to the job site itself if you're wanting to make sure uh, that you get to the interview and you feel uh, fresh and, and not stressed because uh, you were trying to battle oh, as to which entrance in the building you were supposed to go into. And I will say now in these day of social distancing and entrance changes, it's even more important than ever to have a plan for how you're going to deal with visual signage that nobody thought to make accessible, whether it's for uh, cueing you to which entrance to go to or navigating you perhaps through a lobby that is no longer has a personnel there uh, to get to a uh, entry point. Uh, into that building. So and lots elevator, of things are even now than they would have been when we launched this program. Right. And elevator restrictions are a really big yep. deal right now. Usually only two people in an elevator in many buildings, depending on the elevator, it may even be only one person. So, um, And we've even had people show Ira in the interview. Um, Less of that than I would have thought, but, but some, uh, where, where if somebody is challenged about how they're going to handle handwritten material or other visual material that isn't possible to make accessible or isn't uh, or probably doesn't convert very well or is a sign that you can't see from uh, that you can't get to. Um, we've had people showcase IRA as here's how I will use this tool to address the challenge. And so it's a great way to uh, show in, in the job interview itself that you are prepared with the tools you need. Great. Well, let's loop back to that uh, topic of rehabilitation and uh, all that is associated with it. Um, let's let's hear your thoughts about that. I thought Stacy was terrific. I thought everything she said was right on target. And I just want to re re-emphasize some of those points, and that is that you, the individual, must be in charge of your own destiny. So if you do need this top this uh, tool, uh, Ira, or whatever it might be. Uh, you're the one that has to make the case. You're the one that has to convince the counselor. You're the one that has to show how it will be demonstrably part of your success, whether it's in seeking education or seeking specific job training. There's a couple things I would add to what she said about Ira. So certainly it would be, I think, fair for you to, if your counselor is not familiar with Ira or not familiar with the concept, to say that this is not really different from hiring a reader, except that I'm hiring a really skilled reader, somebody who's already trained and knows how to work with people who are blind, knows how to be efficient at providing information 
Um, and so it's going to save me some time in that end as well. And unlike a reader, I only use it when I need it. And if I get distracted or if I have to take a call, um, the Ira's not just uh, sitting there any longer. The reader is. And so it's a very efficient way to use uh, that. The other thing I would say is for new job site orientation, um, if and when we get back to short-term youth employment, uh, where, pe- where summer, summer employment or others, uh, other employment for youth, Ira may be a brilliant tool for ensuring that somebody can uh, navigate successfully for those first couple of weeks, maybe while they learn the site. Um, saving time, saving effort, meaning uh, that, that maybe there isn't going to be a need to have uh, a specialist with them. If somebody feel, but if somebody does feel a need for that, of course they can make that that play, uh, make that request. But even in that case, maybe Ira provides that nice fill-in uh, for when uh, they run into a circumstance they they weren't expecting or weren't sure of, and uh, they can bring up Ira to find out about a barrier or a construction or a change in bus routes that they didn't anticipate. And we had a question from our audience here. Uh, how do you assure that your minutes are counted for the Job Seeker promo? Um, there are a couple ways to do that. You can go to uh, where it says um, call Ira with a free offer on your home screen. Uh, you can do that and choose the Job Seeker offer. And, or you can let your agent know, right, Emma? You can actually let your agent know during the call that uh, this is uh, you would like this to be part of a, the job seeker promo and use that promo. And then for 30 minutes at a time, you were able to do that. And those minutes will not be counted against your... Um, and that really is such total. a great promo. I can't stress it enough. I want... Suman, who, who is a founder of Ira, launched that promo some of us said, you, you can't do this. You shouldn't do this. And he said, I've got to do this. We have got to do something to, we've got to do our part to address this challenge that we know faces blind people in terms of finding employment. Ira isn't the solution for everything, but it sure can be one of the tools that somebody can use to equalize uh, opportunity and, and provide a chance to get past some of the accessibility barriers and some of the visual information that is uh not accessible to us or not easily accessible. So uh, I'm glad he had the foresight to do it. I think it has, I know it has led to employment opportunities for people. And by the way, it's not just if you don't have a job, if you want to change jobs, if you want to upgrade, if you want to promote uh, in your company, in your organization or outside or elsewhere. Um, Ira, again, great tool for using anything related to finding employment. Janine, I, I just wanted to quickly jump in with this question um, because somebody, uh, I, I think it's a really great question and a, a good topic to discuss really quick. Um, we had a question from Eileen um, and she says, uh, I am employed. How do I ensure that anything an IRA agent sees on a work laptop screen remains confidential? My job does not, uh, so really it. Um, she's asking, mm-hmm. uh, uh, she says, my job is not high security, but r- still protecting confidential information is still important. So, um, absolutely. You know, absolutely. I, want, I think that's that, a very important question that a lot yes. of employers might have. So, <laughs> yes, um, we've seen that. Uh, a couple other folks have asked about this confidentiality yeah. and security. So, Paul, let's talk a little bit about this issue. And then Emma has done some research for us on this issue as well. So, Good. let's talk about confidentiality. Yeah, I'll just, I'll say the basics and I'm keen to hear what, what, what Emma has found as well. Um, Ira from the beginning uh, instituted a very strict confidentiality policy. We knew that uh, individuals needed to be able to trust agents uh, with sensitive information, personal or otherwise. And so our agents must sign and adhere to a very strict confidentiality policy of not sharing. uh, And that is maintained. Um, We never share videos, we never share sessions, nothing that um, comes into IRA is is shared outside of IRA and agents are prohibited from sharing any of the information that they may come across uh, as they're working for an individual. And and I would say that I don't think um, other systems necessarily have as strict a confidentiality requirement. So it is something to be uh, certainly something to be aware of when you're using any kind of remote assistance. You should find out what what yes. the protections are. 
Yes. And also the agents, when they are dealing with you, uh, whether they are dealing with you through your phone or through Team Viewer uh, on your computer, et cetera, or anything in your workplace, um, they are going through a VPN to get into their dashboard to see through your computer or your phone camera. So none of this information is on the uh, the agent's personal laptop, anything like that. So there is that buffer between you um, in the process as well. Now, Emma, let's see, do we have you here? Do yep, you talk, I'm here. Yeah, awesome. To talk a little bit about security and how agents deal with employer requests for, you know, um, security, because, you know, there are probably some situations that we simply can't assure security on, but yeah, so one of the main things that we always keep in mind if someone, when anyone calls is that this is really a like a view into their personal life. So of course, like top secret information and stuff for people's works, we keep extra safe, but everyone's information in general, we treat with, uh, with a lot of you know, privacy. And we know that you guys are trusting us to help you in your homes and with your day to day activities. And we don't take that lightly. So we definitely make sure that we're using, uh, like you said, um, different types of security measures to make sure that no information is um, stored, we sign privacy contracts, those types of things to ensure that we are just being the safest we can be. And we also don't have any sort of communication, even in between agents with personal information from explorers. Um, so those are just a few of the steps that we take in order to really make sure that everything is as private as possible. Um, when people do have workplaces that are extra sensitive, maybe they work in a hospital or they whatever the case may be, um, that is really up to their workplace to decide what is okay. But from our side, we are doing everything we can to ensure privacy and that nothing is, um, you know, being viewed that shouldn't be viewed or something like that. And we also have the option to, let's say someone was doing something for work and they have to have a private conversation with someone for a moment, they can put their phone into the privacy mode that gives them privacy, secured privacy for just um, whatever, however long they need. And then we also, of course, just on a regular call, um, we work from private rooms in our houses or wherever people are working from. So we have that level of security on our side. No one's hearing what we're saying. No one's hearing what you're saying. And um, we don't store that information in a way that would um, be not safe either. And I think we often forget about privacy mode. If we do have to have a conversation that doesn't involve the IRA call, there is a privacy button on your screen during the call. I believe it's uh, toward the lower middle of the screen, I think, if I'm remembering Correct. the screen correctly. Um, and so that button, we used to use that a lot when you were going into, say, a public restroom. And you know you're only going to be in there for a few minutes. And been, many people still do use it that way. But certainly for the workplace to minimize, you know, um, private conversations and things like that. But we have a feature that we've had for quite a while, but now you can do a little bit more with it. And that is our agents, we do record every call and we do that for quality assurance and training purposes. And so we keep those recordings. We don't keep them indefinitely. Um, and I know that people want access to their own recordings, but you also have the ability, and, and I will tell you, we don't have that access to your own recordings right now and probably won't because that opens up a whole lot of security issues. Um, and what we do have, though, that can help you in your workplace is the ability to tell your agent, please do not record this call. And you can actually turn that off for all calls in your profile just by letting your agent know. Now we're working toward a way that you will be able to be in control of that from the app. We don't have that quite in place yet, but right now, if your employer says, well, you know what, you can't use IRA because that information's recorded and we don't wanna deal with that, uh, you can tell them and you can certainly send them to us and Paul will be happy to explain it. I will, any of our customer care team will, that you have the ability to have that turned off in your profile. And you can actually have two profiles. This is kind of an interesting thing. Let's say your workplace gets IRA for you 
as an accommodation. Yay, that's great. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Am I going to have to have like two phones now? No, you can actually have two different profiles from within IRA. You can have your regular personal profile with all of your information, or you can switch over to your work profile, which will have all of your employer information. And you'll obviously be logging in from either an employer phone or an employer email to log into your work profile. So that's one great way to have um, all of your IRA in one place. Now, what do we do with all this wonderful uh, access to IRA at work? What the heck are we doing at work with IRA? Well, let's ask our wonderful tour guides. And there's, we're going to start. Oh, I'm one, sorry, Ryan. There's one very, very quick thing that I do want to let you guys know, too. Um, when you when your workplace gives us, uh, gives us a call, if they do contact us for any sort of uh, invoicing or whatever not, should they need... Uh, any sort of information uh, that is uh, for them to document or for anything that they need from IRA in regards to whatever you need, we can uh, get them that as well. So just when in doubt, feel free to give our customer care team a call um, and or have uh, and we can answer any questions that you have or, or your agents uh, for security purposes. Absolutely. And, we do. and I'll just interrupt us to say as I close that it is it is almost Virtually anywhere that IRA is currently available, there is some concept of reasonable accommodation to support employment. In the U.S., it's the ADA, and, and other countries, there are other laws. But it is a very commonplace thing. It is certainly acceptable for you to ask. You shouldn't fear, fearful, be fearful of asking for an accommodation, IRA or otherwise. And so, uh, as I said, in the U.S., the term would be a reasonable accommodation for employment. We also do have a white paper on security and privacy that we can provide to you. We're happy to do that if your employer needs that particular statement. Now, let's go to, in our last little bit of time here, we'll go to our tour guides and find out. So, talk to us, Tiffany. How have you used IRA at work, or how have you experienced other people that you work with using IRA in the workplace? So, I've been very fortunate. Um, I work as an instructional assistant at American River College, and I actually got it as an accommodation. I went to our ADA compliance officer and had to demonstrate that this is what I would use it for. Um, there's lots of times in the lab, I'm the only person in the lab, and I have to log on to a machine that others have logged onto, and the uh, Zoom text doesn't launch until after I'm actually logged into the computer or... Um, other people have set certain things on it so that Zoom text doesn't come on until afterwards. Um, so by able to use Ira to have them look at the screen, have them have them help me navigate to switch users and then log in and get things up and running. Um, also, um, within the lab, we have a computer that shows when a student uh, requests assistance from us. It'll show their computer number. And we have that uh, laid out on a grid on the, the counter there. And the IRA agent is able to assist me by finding where that is and then uh, directing me to that student's workstation. Um, I then use IRA sometimes to read the instructions, read their screen, um, all sorts of different things within um, the lab there. Oh. And have you used IRA for travel at all? Regarding your oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> um, so on my campus, um, there is constantly construction going on, no matter where you are within the campus. Um, and I go from um, the portables because we are in the midst of a new building, new STEM building. So we are out in the portables in the parking lot on one side of the campus, and classrooms that I assist in are on the other side of the campus. Um, and because of construction, you never know which route you're going to be able to take on any given day. So oh I definitely use IRA to get from one side of the campus to the other to assist with navigation. And it is so helpful. Great. Um, all right. Let's move on to uh, Hope. How about you? Sure. So I am a couple of 
I have a couple of jobs. Uh, the first one is at Humanware, and I really don't use Ira a lot for Humanware except to turn on the computer when it's acting crazy and not wanting to talk <laughs> to me. Um, but the other job uh, that I do is I work as um, as an instructor, as an assistive technology instructor uh, at the Carroll Center for the Blind in Newton, Massachusetts. Um, and so I work with kiddos between the ages of two and, well, not two, but five, I would say, and 21, 22. And um, they are kiddos and they tend to misbehave. And so I use Ira sometimes, again, with the parents' parents' permission. Um, I'll use Ira to um, monitor them. <laughs> And they, the kiddos have no idea. <laughs> that is a great point to bring up about the parents' permission. Was that something that came up um, in particular in your job? Um, or was that a requirement of, uh, say, your employer to say, okay, we need to get the parents' permission before using, you know, something like IRA? It is. Um, it was a requirement. Um, obviously, you have FERPA, free um, appropriate uh, education. I can't remember what FERPA stands for. It's really sad being <laughs> a teacher. I recently, and I was thinking, what does that stand yep. for? Someone yep. out there will tell us, I bet. But um, it, it's really important to get the permission of the people that you're recording. Um, you know, and oftentimes I'll tell Ira not to record <laughs> the call because, again, we're dealing with some sensitive information and um, the students' names out there. You don't want that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's. Um, I mean, I would have asked the permission anyway. That's you know, a perfect example of uh, yeah. using the um, please don't record in this case. Right. So um, I bet you have stories. Oh, I do. <laughs> I can only imagine. Um, so, Stacy, what about you? What kinds of work related tasks have you used Ira for? Hello, everybody. Can there you hear me? Go. Yeah. So, um, my husband and I, we have a, a small assistive technology uh, training and consulting business, and Ira has really been a lifesaver um, for us um, with regards to uh, the amount of paperwork that we have to do for our state rehab agency. Um, ironically, many of the forms that we have to submit or complete are not accessible. They're there are PDF forms that we, even with assistive technology, we struggle to access the information. So IRA is about efficiency, and so we've used IRA. I've used IRA to complete those forms. Um, I've used IRA when I go out to deliver and set up equipment for some of our our clients who are deaf blind. I will use IRA to uh, assist me like when setting up a, setting up a new computer um, pardon the robotic vacuum cleaner <laughs> in the background <laughs> um, so you know I've, I've used Ira for that traveling is is always something that I make it a point or feel that there's a need for Ira so there's a there's a lot of different things I think one of the really cool things is when I have had to print off forms that require signatures and then I need to scan them back in and, and send them back to the appropriate people, I have used IRA to uh, assist me with finding the signature block so I can sign sign our names and, and get, those, get those turned in. Um, I've used IRA for last week we did online shopping, but when I needed to look up something for a consumer that we're going to purchase some equipment for, and even though I have the skills to do this, maybe I want to do it quickly, I've used Ira for that. Or if I find a product and the description of the product is very vague, I can use Ira to get a better, uh, more meaningful description of something. Huh. Wonderful. Well, that is definitely a wide range of uses for Ira in the workplace. Now, I'm going to circle back to Emma because we had a question uh, before 
the uh, webinar mm -hmm. about actually using IRA in a situation of really top security, like say a military base or working at a government agency that might have restrictions on using TeamViewer to help you with your computer or, you know, we talked about not recording, but let's say, Emma, somebody can't load software onto their computer. How would you as an agent, you know, work out helping them with something in that situation? Definitely. So one way that we could assist would be if they're not able to download a program onto the, their computer like Zoom or TeamViewer, which is quite common in situations like you described. Um, one thing we can do is use the actual camera on the phone to point towards the uh, computer screen itself and assist to give descriptions if there's something that needs a dis description or uh, to help in some rare cases if something is like a checkbox and we're not able to access the computer once in a while we'll even do it the old-fashioned way of moving the mouse a little by little yes. until we get it <laughs> which you know sometimes desperate times call for desperate measures so we do that Got and it. it's worked very well um another thing that we could do is if it's not a website or a program or whatever that they need on their actual computer let's say they need to research um something for work we would be able to do that on our side on our web browsers as well so there's a few different options um there's probably more than that that i'm not thinking of at the moment uh, for different ways to assist with uh different computer-based tasks while at work if they work in a place where we're not able to remote into their computer um and then yeah and then of course we can always default to just looking at the computer with the phone screen as well oh, i mean the phone examples. camera <laughs> Now, I'm going to ask you the fun agent question here before we, we may actually have a few minutes to take some audience questions, too. Awesome. But what are some really cool jobs that you have helped people out on? What are some kind of fun or things that you've heard agents do um, that really some <laughs> cool jobs? Oh, there's so many cool jobs that our, some of our explorers have. I think one of my favorites, just because I've always been curious, is one of our explorers uh, has vending machines. And I've never seen the inside of a vending machine before, so that was fun, stocking the different snacks and sodas. I did get a little hungry, but um, <laughs> no. And then I've also helped people in jobs that are in really unique and cool buildings, so it's been fun to walk through the hallways and see that type of stuff. But there's so many different jobs that everyone has so there's not really one that sticks out to me as the coolest because I just really am intrigued with everyone's different jobs that they have um, but I have to say one was a fun one that was like Hope was saying with taking care of kids and to see um, help kind of watch to make sure that the kids were doing what they were supposed to do it wasn't with Hope but another person and mm -hmm. that, that was a really fun one I think that one sticks out the most to me oh. Great. I know we have uh, we have actual explorers who are vet techs, who work at zoos, who work at museums, things like that, yes. which I always thought would be really, really fun and uh, great. Okay, Ryan, so do we have any questions out there from our we audience? We do. We have a few. Um, so from YouTube, um, Anne V87 says, I'm currently employed, but looking at starting at least one, if not more, online businesses. Is there by chance a promo for that <gasps> as I take the oh, first steps oh. to start them up? Wow. Great Funny question. You should ask. Well, yes, we do. <laughs> Thanks to our partners at Intuit, we have the Intuit Small Business Offer. And this again is 30 minutes at a time that you can take advantage of as a small business person to do all those tasks that are related to getting your business started, whether that's help setting up your website, uh, getting that to look nice with some of the website building tools, um, inventories of products. Um, we have someone who, and I always think this is so cool when she talks about it. She uh, has a nail color business and uh, she's one of the franchisors of this particular business and I color streak I think is the name of it and um, she uses agents to help her sort her samples help her do her online parties you know for the products and things like that so that 
promo is out there. You want to go to our free offer section again from the homepage and you'll see the small business promo. There is a form there to fill out to tell us a little bit about your business and yourself. And then once you fill that out, when you call your agent, just say, I need to take advantage of the small business promo. And there are specific um, tasks. I don't know, Emma, if you want to talk about some of the the tasks, um, if I missed anything that are covered and maybe some that aren't covered under the small business business promo. Definitely. So one thing I just wanted to add is before you do call in with that, there's uh, just a little bit of a form you have to fill out from Intuit. Then once you get that all taken care of, you can call in with your small business promo. So this is like Janine said, is going to cover anything. If you have your own small business, basically anything that involves um, your business. So if you have documents that need to be formatted, if you want to go over your website to make sure it looks the way you want it to look, those things are all included. Things that wouldn't be included would be, um, let's say you worked for a bigger business and it wasn't your own small business, that would not apply. Let's say you, um, uh, I'm trying to think of, there's lots of tests that wouldn't apply, but most of them are kind of intuitive. There's some of the the confusion that we have with it also comes to um, if task, if you just own a small business in general, then does that mean all of your calls are free? Nope. It's just the ones that have to do with your actual business itself. Uh, And let's say you have a, a, a office space, decorating that office space, as long as it has to do with your business, that would work. Let's say you're just in your bedroom, um, that maybe would not apply. So there's just as long as the call is for the actual small business that you own, um, those are all things that would be covered. And you can definitely clarify all of this with your agent. So this goes for all of our promos. If you ever have questions on if something does or does not apply, definitely ask them and they will be happy to give you a great answer on that. There's some confusion with some of our promotions. It's something that we answer all the time. So just feel free to ask. Um, No harm in asking. And sometimes some people will ask for ask about one promotion. Does this apply for this promotion? And we'll say no, but it actually applies for this other promotion we have. So that's always fun as well. Absolutely. So that is um, a great list of things to think about. Um, I was thinking we have a number of Mary Kay consultants. We have a number of different, these different types of businesses. Um, Oh, what's the Scentsy? I was trying to think of the candle folks, um, the wax warmer folks. Yes, uh, we have uh, several of those as well, folks who work in that. And then folks who do their own artwork and things like that who use right. our small business offer. So absolutely yep. lots of good things there. All right. Anything else? Yeah, let's get to a live question now. Ooh, um, and then we question. do have one more text chat question I'll do at the very end. Okay, um, super. But I want to get to at least one live person today. Yeah. So let's pick Jennifer. Jennifer. Who has been, Jennifer Perry. Here we Jennifer go. Jennifer Perry from Australia, I do believe, right? I believe so. We are asking to unmute Yes, can now. you hear me? Yes, yeah, we, we can. can yes. Jennifer. Hello there. Excellent. I'll be really quick because I know it's almost 11. I just wanted to mention that um, in addition to the fantastic achievement around having access to IRA through the National Disability Insurance Scheme in Australia, um, there is also the possibility now, um, which wasn't available much before, if you are um, just employed and you need um, IRA as a workplace adjustment, there is the job access scheme and it is now possible to apply for IRA using all those self-starter techniques that Stacey was talking about earlier, justifying IRA and how you would use it in the workplace. Um, I think I was either one of the first or the first person to be successful in Australia in actually having that approved for um, at least um, a year to begin with, to have IRA to use for all of the tasks people have mentioned so far in the workplace. Oh, so that that's now possible awesome. as well, and it's um, I, it has just been so empowering and invaluable, and I encourage people to to apply for that if they feel they need it in their work in Australia through that scheme as well as for other uses in the NDIS National Disability Insurance Scheme. That's great. Now, Jennifer, what type of employment are you involved in? What is your job? So I work for a, a company called Blind Citizens Australia, which is a non-profit organisation. We our mission is to empower. Um, inform and uh, people to conduct um, their lives for people who are blind or vision impaired. 
Um, the work I do is a whole array of things, administrative work, so um, whether it be reports, meetings, email management calls, membership inquiries. I do representations with um, consultations with stakeholders like transport, government departments um, and a whole array of other things, technology as well. Um, do a bit of travelling for that when conditions are a bit more normal. Um, also quite a bit of remote working for that. Uh, also do work with, uh, do some advocacy work as well. So there's a whole raft of tasks that I do that, that come across um, as part of my job role. Wonderful. Well, congratulations Wonderful. to you and thank you so much. All right. So, we Ryan, do, our last well, question. Well, we do for the only night. have one other hand raised. Um, uh-huh. So, uh, it's uh, Laura. And I know you've been waiting for here just a few minutes. And so, you're yes. the uh, last one. Hello, and Laura. How are you? Other this hand, so. Hello. My name is Laura Havard. And you kind of addressed it a little bit. And I'm going to re put out on the table is I, you, you addressed the issue about you know, confidentiality, my more bigger issue is the security. And I'm not talking about, you You know, looking at the computer, but I work in a hospital, military hospital, and I know that I can mute, I can tell them not to record, but I'm also concerned how it looks to others. Like, hey, they're taking pictures of, this, of the doors and the doors have names on them. Or um, I think that's the biggest issue and that would be the best thing to help. So how do you address that in terms of, yeah, and I work in a bureaucracy, so, you know, how things don't, there's no final decision maker. So how would you kind of deal with that issue? Um, you know, I know you cannot, um, rec- you know, record it, but also... Just um, seeing you walking around with your phone, I would imagine. Well, but see, it's, it's, they're going to see me from the nursing station looking at the door and the numbers, and they're going to have names on it. Now, that's so a there's a few... <laughs> Yeah, let's let's throw the. Floor There's a few ways I would address this. So, um, and 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 being part of the uh, the 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 process that kind of goes through this, I'll I'll say a couple of things. Number one, I think, uh, especially in this line of work, uh, going to the the powers that be there. Uh, there's always somebody who can make those those final decisions, right? Especially if it is reported. Um, and so doing those demonstrations, but I think ultimately um, we can provide uh, even uh, the white pages of security uh, mm-hmm. to certain businesses as well. Um, as we were saying earlier, uh, to assist with this security, um, especially in the workplace. So when you're going to get this as a workplace accommodation, um, one thing that we, uh, we will provide is, uh, the, the various testings that we've done, uh, for security practices, the various, uh, the various, uh, things that IRAs had to go through uh, to be able to show that we are uh, safe with information and uh, for, mm-hmm. for security. And that for a business is huge uh, to be able to show that, um, you know, especially in those documents. Another thing is the, the demonstration, right? So uh, one thing that really does help, uh, you know, especially is when you're going into this is giving out uh demos to the workplace, you know, especially to even uh, some of the coworkers uh, just saying, hey, I have an agent on the phone um, who is, you know, of course, this is secured by the place of employment. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what they do and do a demo where you, the agent um, and maybe have the agent take a picture of one of those doors and just read it out loud. So that way everybody can hear what information you're receiving. Um, it does provide, you know, a little bit of uh, comfort for some people I've, I've, I've found in this. And there's so many other ways to, to tackle this situation, um, really depending on the place of employment, um, the workplace, uh, sometimes IRA can provide information. Sometimes it does take a demo. Sometimes it does take uh, explanation. But I found that no matter how you go about it, there's always uh, been a way to get through this, uh, the level of security. And I think once people see that IRA, uh, you know, from an agent standpoint with the uh, non-disclosure agreements uh, to the uh, security practices that IRA takes as a company, um, and then from seeing how IRA works for you, uh, bundle that up into one whole package. And I think it really does work out very well. 
uh, for for showing this. Can I add a question? Yes. I follow. Is there a way we can say, I want you to read this, I want this not recorded, and I want you to read this part, but not anything else, so they're not Absolutely. auditorily saying Absolutely. Absolutely. So always remember, and, and I'll say this, when, um, when you are on an IRA call, mm-hmm. um, it is important to remember that you are in control of that call um, yep. and what you want the call to be and how you want the call to go and what you want the agent to do. So if you tell, the, uh, and the agents are there to give that objective information, um, and it's a, and the way we say it is, you're the brain of the call, the agents are just you know the eyes of the call. So you're the one making those decisions, you're the one that's telling the agent, hey, read this, but not this. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, you know, tell me this, but don't give me this information. Um, hey, if you see a personal name there or information, mm-hmm. don't read it. Um, you know, just so that way, um, and anything, and what you can also leverage as well is, um, and I'll, and I'll touch base on this quickly because I know, uh, we're past time, but you can also leverage the notes feature for agents as well. So if you have, uh, if you do tasks where generally every day you're reading, uh, documents where you need to know certain information like numbers say, well, we'll just, but there's also personal information on there. You can ask the agents to leave a note on your account that says, please skip over reading out loud any personal information and just give the numbers or the dates or the, whatever you need off this, off, off documents that are shown, uh, uh that are shown to me when, um, and Emma can, uh, tell you more about how what the agents see when this happens, but ultimately at the end uh, of the day, uh, when you get connected to an agent, they're going to see those notes and be able to provide that information for you and get you that access to information quicker. Janine, can I? Oh, certainly. Janine, this is Tiffany. Yes. Um, one thing I'll add to that is being able to provide demonstrations to multiple people really helps uh, showcase what Ira can do and what can't do. That's what really helped to get it on my work uh, workplace for me was really being able to show the powers to be that this is what I can do with it. Um, this is how we can keep it safe and private. And it, the more demos you can give, the better your chances are of getting it, it there for you. Right. Thanks very much. Sure. And uh Give one more quick note here for you, Laura. Those photos that we're talking about where an agent says, can I take a picture of that? They're always going to ask you, can I take a picture? And those pictures, unless you ask for them to be saved, are going to be, uh, they're gone. They are, um, I'm not going to say destroyed, they're erased after your call. So they, they disappear after the call unless you ask specifically for them to be kept. So that's another way to control things. But the demo is super powerful. I would like to thank everybody tonight. This has been a phenomenal webinar. We've gotten a ton of information. We appreciate all of you coming out there on YouTube and on here on Zoom. Uh, appreciate your questions. If you have questions for Ira, you can contact us at support at ira.io, that's A-I-R-A dot I-O, or you can call our customer care team. And in the U.S. and Canada, that number is 1-800-835-1934. The numbers for the other countries that we serve are on our website. I'd be happy to give you those if you want them, but that's that's a lot of numbers. So um, you can go to ira.io, that's A-I-R-A dot I-O, to look those up. Our final expedition in the series, Intrepid Trekkers, is next Thursday night, August 13th. And that particular expedition is going to involve IRA in higher education. Yes, it is time to go back to school, everyone. And we will be talking with uh, some of our, again, our intrepid tour guides. I'd like to thank them tonight. We have Stacy Gallegos. We have Hope Palos. Thank you. And we have Tiffany Minash. Thanks, everybody. And a very special thanks to our special guest lecturers tonight, Paul Schrader from Ira and Stacey Sherbinka. For my boss man, Ryan Bishop, and you guys have no idea, 
Um, <laughs> what a boss he is. He's actually, he's not my boss technically, no. We are peers at all. God, for that. No, no, no. <laughs> I know, I know. I didn't, you know, spill the secret. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Emma. The oh, and I forgot well. Emma. Oh, my goodness. She forgot Emma. See, this is I why I'm here, Emma. guys. Oh, see, I forgot Emma Vincent, our awesome agent. Anyway, for Ryan, I want to thank everyone for being here. And we will see you next week. Thank you so much, everybody.